Previously on AFTN. I wanted to do that when I was down at Copa America and Messi was coming out and people were like, Messi, one question, one question, just one one question. And I wanted to go, would you like a chocolate digestive, Lionel? It's another episode of the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio, broadcasting from the unceded Musqueam Territory at the University of British Columbia. I'm Michael McCall. I'm Steve Pander. And I'm Joe DC. Joe, he, he, he had the easy job doing the preview podcast. He got to look forward to games. We felt that wasn't fair. We wanted to make his life miserable. Let's get him to do an aftermath of a game. We will also be joined by Zach. He is on his way here. He's just running a little bit late, but he will be joining us. I think he just wants to avoid having to to talk about the the KC game at the the weekend. Yeah, I I need to vent a little bit, you know, too positive on the preview cast. And Zach is going with the avoidance (laughs) technique, I think. definitely. I wonder if he watched it a second time or not. I don't know, but he was working on Friday night. If anyone read my Twitter feed, I I tweeted this out, but he was working on Friday so it had got to half time and I just sent my tweet going, oh, can't this be over at the half? <laughs> and it's like, that bad, question mark. I was like, oh, you're not watching? He's like, no, working. I went, do you want to know what's happened? And he said, yeah. So I told him and he thought it was on the wind up. He's like, oh, yeah, very good. Very. <laughs> I was like, no, this has really happened. And there was eight minutes of added time. So that happened. Yeah. Really yeah. Good. yeah. I was stuck in traffic. So I listened to the radio broadcast. Well, I listened to the first 10 minutes on the radio as yeah. well. It, that was enjoyable. Yeah. Traffic was probably less frustrating than the match itself. No, it was, fair. yeah. I was coming home with fish and chips. Oh, were you? Yeah, From- it's, it's this podcast has yeah. ruined my diet. It's just chocolate <laughs> digestives and fish and chips non-stop for me. I, I got home. I literally switched on the telly just as Russell's ball hit the back of the net. And I was like, oh. And then I couldn't work out who had the biggest battering, my haddock. Or the white caps. <laughs> I think it was the white caps. But we'll kick things off since Joe's here. If you listen to the preview podcast, he does his his fun word games and complete the sentence stuff. So we're going to do that, but a little bit different. Going to get you to describe the white caps performance in KC as a breakfast cereal. If you were to do that, what breakfast cereal would it be? I'm I'm going to go with special K, not for Kendall Watson because he wasn't so special on this one, but. Special K. I mean, it looks like it's going to get the job done for you, like you lose weight, but it just leaves you wanting in the end. And for me, that's the white caps. I'm going to go... I'm very excitable when I when I go shopping. And any kind of 
nice box really catches my eye. And a few weeks ago, I saw Reese Puffs. I don't know if you guys have had mm. these before. No, had them. I've so they're Reese's them. Pieces breakfast cereal. And they're in a nice orange box, very colorful. And I was really excited. I love Reese's Pieces. So I got them. The box looks fantastic. I was so excited. And it's still sitting in my pantry. I haven't touched it since having that first bowl. Just, it's just too they much. Let, they let me down. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, I would say um, Rice Krispies. Uh, make a lot of noise. <laughs> but then end up doing nothing at the end. Just a bowl <laughs> go, of soggy go, go rice. Soggy. Yeah, 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 soggy rice. Soggy and a disappointment. Now, we thought the, the performance against RSL a couple of weeks ago was bad. Last week, I thought LAFC's performance was bad. Zach didn't. No, he said on second watch and he was a bit more optimistic about it. I st- still don't feel that way. I think that was terrible. LAFC, though, a good side. RSL, not a good side. So mm. probably RSL was worse than LAFC. Now, Robbo said lessons would be learned. Clearly no one attended those classes. <laughs> he said we'd see a response. And we, we got a response. In not quite sure what it was, but we got a response. <laughs> In the wrong direction, the response. And I think the KC was now the worst of all the three of those games. But I would even go as far to say that if you look back in our eight seasons in MLS so far, I th- can't think of a worst performance ever than that game against KC. Especially the way it broke down, the way everybody just you know lost it. It's like yeah. uh, we've been outplayed, we've yeah. been hammered in every but, sense. Yeah, every, I remember a game in uh, uh, against DC United in in the first year that was pretty bad, and it, and it spelled the end for Jane Ollie. Yeah, um, that was that a pretty was bad maybe one. Four, I mean, four, th- th- four. This nil, is yeah. our biggest ever defeat. Is it? No. In terms of disappointment, the the playoff defeat to Portland might like just yeah. as, just, yeah. as just much for as expectations. Build, as much as a yeah. build up, because yeah. they they marketed that so much, yeah. and you know the, the the it was a frensy inside the stadium. Yeah, it was. The performance just didn't match that. But in terms of of just uh, ninety minutes in isolation, I think this is definitely probably the worst. I, the worst I can remember, anyway. I I really I wanted KC to get a couple more goals just so we would have the biggest ever defeat in MLS history. <laughs> well, they could have. Make it a wasn't, name for if, yourself. If it wasn't for Marinovic, it could have been. Was easily. it seven? Yeah. Is the biggest defeat? It's seven. There's three seven nil games and one eight one game. When was the last seven nil? Oh, I can't remember. I'll look that up. Because it might have been back when like the, the league wasn't so you know equal. When it, yeah, when it was full of crappy teams that couldn't <laughs> yeah. compete. Tampa Bay and. Yeah. All those other teams. Uh, did anybody ask you what time it was at any time during the I, game? I was, I was going to, I was going to tweet out what time is it, but I really could not be bothered with everyone tweeting back. Time for Robo to go. Uh, and it's like, okay. I is thought it, my Twitter would break. Is the answer seven to Kansas City <laughs> <laughs> no, or six to Kansas? City? Five past Marinovic. Oh, oh no, there we go. six yeah, past Marinovic. <laughs> at least I didn't get to ten past Marinovic. Yeah, I, I've had a weekend of seeing goals. Those goals on Friday night saw two VMSL. Well, so two Provincial Cup games, rather, uh, over the, the weekend. Saturday, seven goals. Today, I saw a 6-0 game. Saturday night, as well, there was a double sending off. Mm. Like buses, you wait for them, and then two games in a row, you see a double sending off. Yeah. Both of the same team, as well. So, mm. But we'll start by talking about the KC game and the lineup and formation. Now, Surprising lineup. Yeah, we, we've wanted a, a more attack-minded lineup. People have said they want more entertainment. So Robbo went for that. He went with two strikers, which I said was my my dream to have a two striker formation. Turned into a nightmare. But was it the right time to do it? Against it was the, the wrong, t- uh, one of the better teams in the league. It was the wrong team yeah. to do it against. Yeah. Well, I mean, Joe wrote a good piece that went up tonight on Sunday. You'll see it on AFTN.ca. And just talking about how the, doomed to failure, really, with going with that. Yeah, I, I think 
the key was that we played it against a 4-3-3. I, I would I'd be a fan of seeing that formation again, even with similar personnel and similar roles. It's just that SKC play with um, a 4-3-3 and their wide players are very, very wide. And our outlet forwards this season has been Davies mainly, playing if he's in the left wing or if he's in the left wing back, either way. And because he was asked to defend Russell, who's was outstanding, like he there was no avenue forward, right? And Blundell was the only person who could really create anything, yeah. and then he got hooked, right? Um, I I just think for the formation matchup, it was the wrong time to do it. I I applaud the the um, desire to get two strikers onto the field, but there was also a problem with the midfield being too narrow. And that left lots and lots of space in the wide midfield areas, yeah. like the kind of area that Madranda scored scored the third goal, which we'll get to. Um, like the, the reason he had so much time was because the midfield they weren't picking people up properly. And I, I I kept saying in the first like half an hour they were outnumbered, even though it was three on three. Like like the the spaces they they just weren't the roles weren't being. Uh, used properly I think well at one point Casey were happy just to leave two men back that's yeah, how impotent yeah. they thought that the caps were it's like oh it's fine just leave two guys back yeah. there and playing Shea up front I thought was interesting yeah and he disappeared yeah. well, I, I yeah. watched the, the first half back again this morning because I wanted to see a couple of things for this show and I'm into masochism obviously I just did not notice Shea Mm-hmm. He was just invisible. Maybe he's, he maybe he needs to be on the wing, or else he will like just not be able to track back because he feels like he's not important at that point. It seems it was just maybe maybe play him at left wing back instead of Davies. It might have been better. That to well, me makes a way more sense. But the only problem is he, he, he might pout then. He might get a, a pouting Brexche, Uh Whereas and actually, in, in because he in, wasn't very happy in Orlando doing that. In no. hindsight, him against Russell would have been probably worse than yeah. it was yeah. I mean we touched on this last week does this just show us that we're a defence minded team when we try and flick that switch and, and try and be attacking we just can't do it the players are just so in the mindset that they just can't get any offence going but the problem is I think we've, uh, uh, while you're saying we're defence minded I think we switch off way too much well they weren't we're, set up uh, to succeed with yeah. the formation no. like, I don't think there was even no. a chance if it was the four-one-four-one that we usually see away from home it could have been a different story you know? but wh- what do you think Robo was thinking then I mean you're going up against a KC team that's been banging the goals in this year mm-hmm. and I think they've had half the goals so far in these opening games that they got in all of last year so they're in form they're scoring goals was this just foolishness, or did he think they would try and really catch KC by surprise, or did he feel the need to go out and say, "Look, I'm going to put an entertaining team out there." You say, "I don't." Here we go. Mm. I I think in setting up the team in that formation, I can see why a coach would think that would work. Um, like it, on on paper, it's fine. It's just that it was implemented properly, uh, improperly, I should say. Um, like the wing backs should have had a lot more. Um, license to go forward but in doing that they needed to have more uh, defensive stability that just wasn't there um i think that was really the the main problem and like any it, it was a move to get more attackers onto the field you had reina blundell and shea if shea if kamara was fit i think it would have been kamara as instead of shea which could have been a different story and reina and blundell did have a couple of of nice moments. Yeah, I mean, we saw how well they, they linked up pre-season. They got a number of goals and assists between just the two of them. And then it started off great. Blondell played Reina in. You thought that Reina should have put the ball in the net. I mean, you can praise Melia for a great mm-hmm. recovery and a great save. But when you see the angle from behind, 
Reyna tries to go around him and then put it to the yeah. back post. When he should have done the near post. Yeah. Yeah. If he does the near post, yeah. Melee has not got a chance of saving that. Yeah. And I do feel that Jordi Reyna last year would have tucked that one away. Mm-hmm. Uh, he went around the goal. He did the hard part well. Yeah. It's a cliche. He did, did the yeah. hard part really well. And he looked good doing that. Yeah. But, but I mean, Melia should be praised for yeah. recovering. So the through ball from uh, Bondale was I'm, I was quickly trying to rack my brains and think if I could think of a better pass so far this season. Like mm. we don't play those splitting kind of passes. Yeah. Not since Pedro Morales. Do we I think Kamara had a really nice pass if I'm not mistaken earlier this year to somebody. I can't remember who though. I don't he, know if it ended up being a goal. He did a, ni- he did a nice one between two players to yeah. Davies when he handled it mm. and it got called. Yeah, back. yeah, that's so right. That, that was yeah. a nice I think there was one other one at home. But, but, but yeah. as far as far as vision, right? yeah. like we, we yeah. I, in my mind, Blundell is still an unknown quantity. We've seen him in preseason, but that's not really. Yeah, they talked about how much. Talked about how much chemistry he had with Reina too in the, that preseason couple games. I was gonna have to wait a couple of games now, now before yeah. they could play together. Yeah. I mean, we we did our usual Twitter ranking and asked some questions as well. And one of the questions was, did Reina's miss make any difference to the end result? Yeah, and uh, we got some response for that, obviously. And uh, for people, okay, first of all, not sure, twenty five percent. Fair enough, really. I think I voted for not sure. Um, no, which was the big winner. Not big winner, but big winner. 43%. And yes, uh, was 32%. So kind of split there. That's way closer than I thought it would be. I thought a lot of people would have been negative and just yeah. said, no, it doesn't make no difference. That's interesting. But if you think of it, if they had, they had scored, would have they just like sat back and absorbed the pressure the, and been better they, doing that? But I don't know if they would have been able to. The tactical mismatch yeah. was, was there. Maybe it, he it, would have switched it up then and, and yeah, it rotated people around. And, well, the only reason it wasn't so bad was because... It t- took Russell ten minutes to get into the game. Yeah. Like otherwise, it would have been, it like the ge- that would have that disaster would have unfolded earlier. I yeah. think. Yeah. I mean, when I first saw the lineup on Twitter, I actually thought it was four at the back, and I thought Juarez was in at right back. And then when I find out it wasn't, and then I'm looking at it, it's like, oh, but it was no. an encouraging lineup. I mean, he's not going to play right back. He rearranged the kitchen. He's not going <laughs> to. They're not they're, that that. Gets, but but you know that. You know it's bad when the four three one almost looked better than the the yeah. three four one. Well, two. when I worked out, it was a four three one. It was just yeah. a kind of big circle of folk at one point. It's but called we'll, the, we'll come at that. It's called the Christmas tree formation. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, we talked if the white cats were a breakfast cereal. What would they be? Well, Johnny Russell became a serial killer in that <laughs> case because he ran the show. It was all downhill from the Caps after that. Two goals, first one in the tenth minute, after Reina was picked about. 20, 25 yards from goal. It was a nice passing move. It went from left wing to right to Russell on the edge of the box and about five passes. But watching it back, Russell was untracked, unmarked in the whole build-up. And he's been dangerous all year. So, I mean, why would you, you let a guy like that go? We talked about his danger. We had him interviewed as well on the show. Great, great chat. One of my favourite chats of the year so far. Mm-hmm. But... Why would you give a guy like that so much room? Yeah, Gideon pointed it out on the preview show about how like dangerous he could be, and he's been amazing so far. This yeah. yeah, I've had uh, I, I had him four years ago on my the team, and he led the championship league in in, in scoring on FIFA eighteen. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, so it was, football manager. no FIFA eighteen. <laughs> I don't go that far. <laughs> this is a guy that can't get into the Scotland setup yeah. for how, about how, three years, how? and we're making him look like world class. But I, I, he should be good enough to play for Scotland, no. I would. I think he should. Now, maybe now. I think, I think he will be. And yeah. he, he said in our interview that he's no one's contacted him, but he would hope if he does well, he'll he'll get called back into it. Yeah, well, Kenny and Miller, Miller was, did, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, and stuff like that. But I just don't understand. But, but do you think okay, for, for that goal, like that. 
do you think it was the uh, like for me it was either the back line dropped way too back or the midfielders didn't push yeah. into the box and try to cover up I, those I holes. I blame the midfielders. I yeah. think. Felipe was, was I felt Felipe was way out so there. I think it should have been Tybert instead of Felipe. I don't oh, know why. For sure. I, I don't know so, why yeah. there's this obligation to play Felipe. To be honest, um, Tybert is one of the few players who's on form and he's one of the few uh, now that Gazal's back well we got a yeah. comment this week from one of our listeners saying they don't understand the whole Tybert love fest that, w- that we're doing really? well some people yeah. are just the, like you, you were able to change your stripes but some people yeah. won't be able to for a while Tybert does like he does the unpraised kind of work quite well you know? yeah like the stuff you don't see well he's still he's still like he still has his faults he like he doesn't play enough forward balls yeah he, but the dm is not concerned. a sexy role if absolutely, you're doing it right absolutely. you shouldn't be but, noticed but then a player like gazelle can make it a lot more yeah his long uh, legs effective. draw attention True. to himself though I, as well because there's a couple of tackles yeah. he goes into that you really really notice yeah. I, I think like because we played an attacking lineup i think to balance it out i think felipe should have been replaced with tybert yeah um just because he Tybert will cover the ground and cover the spaces and he'll close down a lot earlier. So that was my that's what I thought should have happened. Caps nearly tied it up right away after Reina's uh, after Russell's goal. Uh, Davies he kind of left the KC players in his wake, powered forward. Support wasn't great. Cross wasn't great either. But then Russell got his second great solo effort. All of a sudden the Caps looked dead and buried. It's only sixteen minutes in. Defensive play again, simply horrible. Russell acres a room, gets the ball. A couple of Casey players on that left side were in tons of space. I think it was three altogether. Juarez gave about 10 yards to him, and then he, he couldn't really commit by that point because he'd have got skinned. But then Russell made it look so easy, just waltz past him, cut inside, fired home, deflected off Waston. Horrible defensive play. I think uh, Johnny Russell had recognised at that point that Juarez is not a good uh, wing back yeah so, sense blood yeah so he switched over even though he had success on the other side he knew where the next goal was coming from yeah and, and the thing is is people are complaining about Juarez not being able he's not a midfielder he's a right back he definitely he's proved definitely he wasn't a right back either yeah although I think Davies though has shown that he's not a good left back either there's a few defensive things the last couple of games he's been burned well, on well, I couldn't understand why if they were going to do that position why not put Gazal as one of your three in the back um, he, he doesn't have yeah. to do as much running yeah. and then you put Diong on the left and he could be actually firing yeah. some stuff and maybe put Davies in the middle well Diong's a perfectly functional wing back or left back I mean Ro- Robo like every time he talked at the start of the season about going three at the back he always mentioned about having Diong as one of those three and it was always well, something I found I still out. mentioned. I haven't seen why that's. No. He did mention goal. on another radio station that he um, he liked Davies. The fact that Davies needed to run from the back or something like that. He liked running from the well, back and getting more been, of a run. That has been an avenue forward, but but you can. Do, it, but he, but he it, always it, it gives him more pitch to run on. I know, and get but his speed up. But I understand that. But when he plays left mid or left wing or whatever you want, he always tracks back, so he's going to have that space to run yeah. up anyways. But think about it, like, okay, think about when you're playing as a 4-3-3, okay, and Davies is the left wing back. So in front of Davies, if he's doing his job right, is the right winger for Kansas City, the right midfielder for Kansas City, and the right back for Kansas City. You want Davies to be three players in order to generate off any offense. Yeah. He can be two, no problem. When I used to coach uh, in Richmond soccer, I would tell even I would tell the players, if you're playing against an amazing player, get two bodies in front of him, and by the third one, he'll lose control of the ball. And that's just what's going to happen. It happens at all levels. Yeah, we saw, we've seen it a lot with Davies. We've seen it a lot with Kiku Amani was when he was here. Caps nearly made it 2-1. Blondell had a, a great chance, first-time volley from a Reina pass again. 
that uh, just went past the post. And uh, then the third goal, Jimmy Madrana fired home a rocket. Marinovic hardly moved. It was a great shot from us. I'm, I'm still really torn as to yeah. how much blame I put on Marinovic for it. I think he just caught him off. I don't think he expected that shot at all to come from that spot. Maybe a, it was just a top keeper has to at least get a hand on that though. The way or it was moving to. in the air is. The, I the mean, thing. It, yeah, it dipped. There's a video from one of the fans that was doing the rounds on Twitter from behind the shot, and it does curl and dip. Yeah. But it then also shows you that it's closer that to Marinovic. Should have possibly yeah. yeah. Marinovic had a good chance to at least get a hand up. I think I, he was I just know. caught out. I, I think sometimes when that shot comes in from that angle and at that speed, that curve, it just freezes the keepers. I was expecting a cross, not a shot. Yeah. When, yeah. when he wound up for that. It but, could have been a YP Lee thing where it was like be- supposed to be a cross. <laughs> beautiful goal, though. I mean, you've, you've got to give him that. But struck with. That happened because the midfield was too narrow. Yeah. So the, Again. the wing back couldn't push up because he was taking care of the winger, and the midfielder, for some reason, didn't come out to close it down. Then we've got to what everyone's talking about. The mass brawl, the melee. We'll start it off with Boston's tackle. Poor, late. When I first saw the replay, I didn't think he actually touched Espinosa. Neither did Pete Shad in the commentary. Mm-hmm. I've seen it slowed down. I've seen some stills. And it does seem to show that he raked his studs on him. Either way, it was a rash tackle. But in discipline again from Boston. And he reacted... Yeah, the aftermath as well showed a lot of indiscipline as well as he's standing over Espinosa, started the brawl. He was also in the ref's face after the red cards, which he was maybe lucky not to pick up a second yellow Mm. for that. But if you're talking about lack of discipline, the Cats lost the plot. Yeah. Russell flew in. He did instigate stuff. You could also argue he was lucky not to see a red himself because he was doing a bit of shoving. But the shoves were just in the chest. Yeah, that, was, that was the difference. Face. That was the difference. The thing with VAR now is they have to evaluate individual actions that happen. And Russell didn't do anything, I think. Not that I saw th- that deserved a red card. He got in people's faces and he got a yellow, which is which is normal. Um, but as far as red cardable actions go, I think the right uh, decisions were made. Yeah, that, no excuse for Reyna or Juarez. Reyna... Throws Russell to the ground. Juarez had a hand twice in Russell's face once yeah, four before arm, he's thrown it? to yeah. the, the ground. Yeah. yeah. And I noticed Russell had a big kind of puff under his left eye, which I don't know if he had the whole game or if that was just because he, he'd got stuff in his face. But, I mean, Juarez... Well, both of them are international players, yeah. as in they play for the yeah. national teams. They're experienced guys. You know what you can and can't do. And I love a player that's got a bit of bite, but you know VAR's reviewing everything. Yeah, that's just Rush naive. of blood to your head, I know, I get all that. De Jong did push Juarez into Russell, but... No, it actually it said was, he was sent off for foul on abusive language as no, well. No, no, it so. wasn't. It was, it, well, officially on the MLS site, they said review. That's all it said. All oh, right. Uh, At which means it was point a, on a Friday night, review. it did say foul and abusive language. Yeah. So maybe that was a mistake. No, there was definitely a hands to the face for him. They did enough to get red cards. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> either, they're both deserving. And let's just, before we round this section off, let's just quickly talk about VAR. Boston's tackle, 35 minutes, 17 seconds. Stott finally went to watch the video, 37.57. So over two and a half minutes later... Then it was 39.17 before he brought the red cards out. A full four minutes after everything had kicked off. Too long? 
does it matter if you reach the right decision in the end? I okay. I VAR is a really big subject because in different countries it's being used differently, and at the World Cup they're using it completely differently. Yeah. Um, and I think that's going to be the make or break for VAR. So that's like my. I think at the World, the World Cup, Cup, yeah, because they'll have a lot more eyes on it. The EPL's yeah, already put it on hold for yeah, another season. Yeah. Well, so. in in the World Cup they're going to have one main VAR and then two assistant VARs who are going to inform the main VAR in case he misses anything, and then I think a couple of other technicians, and then they have extra cameras that the broadcasters don't have and things like that. So I think that'll be like we'll look back on that to as the breaking point for VAR or not. But is it, in, is in, it the former Italian ref? Um, Pierluigi Colini. Yeah, is he in charge of it or something? He, he's, like he's in UEFA. He's in charge of uh, assigning referees for the Champions League. Oh, okay. So I'm not sure if he has a role in the I World Cup. I think he Cup. might have in the World Cup. I almost remember seeing pictures great, of him in ref. that article. He was fantastic. I'm, I'm also worried that the Caps are going to get fines for mass confrontation. mass confrontation and the fact that the players didn't leave the pitch right away. And they didn't leave the pitch to the 41 minute mark. So it's six minutes after the initial tackle. And the coach. Uh, Yes, Kerr. Well, we'll talk about the coaches and their discipline in in part two. We'll just round this section off. Down to nine. Down three goals. What what else could go wrong? Oh, yeah, you give a penalty up with an absolutely (laughs) stupid tackle from De Jong. The clearest penalty penalty. I've ever seen, I think. And, I mean, Marinovic, great save. Made a little bit of amends, maybe, for... For I, some stuff, I think with a highlight. I think De Jong, because he's playing more centrally, he wasn't used to. He thought he could do that tackle when he's playing left back, mm. and maybe he was confused <laughs> yeah, there in the wrong thought, space, the wrong spacing, and everything. Like well, that. it was a first half to forget. Could the second half get any better? Well, we all know the answer, but we'll talk about that and a few other things after this. Hi, I'm Alfonso Davies, and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. Welcome back. You are listening to the AFT and Soccer Show on CITR Radio. Tell us what that song was, Steve. Um, that was from Oh Brother Where Art Thou, uh, the movie. Um, I'm a Man of Constant Sorrow. By? Soggy Bottom Boys. Oh. But we are joined now in the studio talking of Soggy Bottoms. He's so excited to be here. It's Zachary Meisenheimer. I, I'm always excited to be here. You, you missed us describing... The the f- white caps no, I didn't miss breakfast it. Cereal. I, was, I was listening. I was, <laughs> well, you, you, give you, us your breakfast cereal. You're never going to believe this. You're never going to believe this. Total, totally honest. I was listening to the show on the way in, and my first thought was the exact same as Joe as Jody's. <laughs> Reese Puffs. The, Re- the Reese, yeah, the Reese peanut butter one. Because it's like it's it's you, you think, oh, this is it's going to be, you know, away from home. The white caps have been really good. You got excited. And then you eat it, and it like I don't know, leads to diabetes, or like it, <laughs> it, it makes you not feel but well. We are not or, saying that Reese's puffs. No, no, but or you know, the white caps. It's or very, caps. it's very sugary. It leads to some disappointment, as you all talked about. I don't know. I had a lot of comfort eating after watching the game on Friday, so maybe it does. You had what? Comfort eating. Oh yeah. Mm. Well, you're here to to talk about the less dramatic <laughs> half, the the less concerning half. I don't know. Three goals in each half, but. We'll keep the talk about the second half briefish because we've got so much other stuff to talk about. But 
first of all, I do want to talk about Russell's hat-trick goal. Now, I, I had a, a tweet, which I was just being facetious, when somebody had tweeted out saying, oh, I wonder what the KC fans are, are going to get upset about f- from this game. Because the KC fans, the last game, were quite irate. So I retweeted it just with a sarcastic comment off that they were going to be upset when VAR stopped Johnny Russell getting his double hat-trick. Wow, that was... <laughs> if, I think if he'd stayed on, that would have possibly happened. He got subbed off in the 60th minute, right? No, but just I think it was before that, actually. Might have been, but he had, he had a hat-trick and he was rested for the next game. In, yeah, in and he game. had a couple of chances in the first half where he could have had yeah, his yeah. third or fourth in that. And was he, there some offsides as well? Yeah, and he like didn't. That. Oh, he had the ball in the net at one point. It was offside, yeah, and yeah, then he yeah. didn't take the penalty because yeah, he was. That was like, weird because ah, he was on I'm two not goals. Penalty taker. Yeah, that, that was. I, I that, loved that. Well, that'll engage. That'll, Stupid, but I loved it. The, the fans will love him for that. Yeah, but in in the back of his mind, he knew I'm going to get a hat trick anyway. It's not going to make a difference. Who's Kai Kamara shouting at the screen? What are you doing? Exactly. I thought that they sh- maybe Kyrie Shelton should have taken it because he needs a goal. Um, he has. I don't think he scored since he moved to Kansas, and mm. uh, like you know, just confidence booster. But but he's contributing. He fits their style pretty well. Yeah. And the thing about Johnny Russell, which you guys were talking about a little bit in the first half, uh, but also into the second half of the game, is he's like this tricksy kind of. He was everywhere. Yeah. And to me, that that didn't really suit. Even though I was excited, I, I was. Not excited because I knew what had happened, but I was encouraged by the trying two two up front with the three at the back and whatever. But a player who was so dynamic like that, he found the space, he found the holes, he found well, the pockets I mean, look really at that easily. That space that he got for his hat trick goal, and I know you're down two players, but you're still defending that. He was just allowed to waltz through them from a set piece. Yeah, the second phase of a set yeah. piece. Yeah, I mean that that's something they're gonna want to. That was uh, his best finish, though. Yeah. And there, there was two more goals. We can go into them if you really want, but Marinovic kept the score down. Now, your team's got beat 6-0, and we're saying our keeper kept the score down. He had seven saves. I still credit him with eight, but for some reason, one wasn't given as a save. He kind of was at him. He touched it. <laughs> but well, Usually I, that's good enough for a save. Yeah, I mean, either way, he had more saves than goals that he let in, which you would want a <laughs> keeper to do. But when he's let in six goals and he still had more saves, that just sums up everything about what went wrong with that defence. Yeah, but even though he did make a number of saves, stopped a penalty, which was not a great penalty, but is it hard not to remember him for the third goal? Well, yeah, let's get your take on that. I mean, do you think he should have done better on that third goal? He'll think he should have done better. He was caught leaning, uh, you know. It looked like an an early kind of a deepish kind of cross was coming in, and Miranda, I think... Uh, I missed you guys talking about this part because I was coming here, but I I think he just saw him and he I'm just gonna have a go because he's gonna lean, and he caught him. When my favorite cross comes shorts again. No, that's the thing though. It, I don't think that's not what it was. No, it was uh, he it, went for it. It was it was a he he faked like a cross if you will and then smashed it. But so I think I think that, I think that's the that's the hard that's the picture I think most people remember of Marinich from the game. Unfortunately, yeah. And that's what, is it two weeks in a row or whatever where like there's one he wished he probably had back? Yeah. Could have kept it a five nothing. I think it's Madranda just couldn't believe how much room he had. So might as well have a crack. Maybe maybe Jake should just call him Steve before every match and just get him <laughs> riled up. Get him ready to go. I don't know, because someone someone said at training I didn't get it to train at all last week because I was working, but the week before, someone was like, Hey Steven. I think that's worn its course. Oh, yeah, I wouldn't do that. No. But Jake, of course, wasn't there. He was rested. 
Yeah. Um, the, the, the other two goals, do you want to say anything about them? I've blocked them from my memory. I didn't even watch them back when I was watching the rest of the game. I, there were so many goals I can't actually remember. I can't even remember what they were right now either. Oh, oh the, the chest. Yeah, the chest. Yeah. And that was unfortunate. He came on as a sub too. He came on as a yes. sub. And that that was unfortunate, right? That was, again, a deflected cross off of AHA. Yeah. And chest, chest When in. it's not your night, <laughs> it's, it's not, not your night. You might as well let them score all the goals. Yeah. AHA actually looked okay, I thought. Yeah. <laughs> I know. He'll probably end up getting dropped, but, I mean, he was yeah. the guy that was one of the better players. Well, it was an, yeah, he was, it was an unfortunate. He was trying to, you know, block yeah. the... Benny Beanie came on. And I would have given him man of the match because he kept <laughs> holding the ball for at least 10 seconds and actually went by some he players. He two players and held the ball. Up. Yeah. yeah not bad. He, he got past the halfway line. Man of the match and your fourth or fifth favorite interview of the Yes. <laughs> the, the, there's a shot that someone had put out on Twitter of Tim Melia just standing right in the middle of the KC half, just looking forlornly. And there's not a White Cats player anywhere near him. Well, the fans, there was one just made it into the corner of the, the picture. The Kansas fans were cheering every time he touched the ball. Yeah. So like every 15 minutes, they had a big yeah. cheer. We always bring you our interviews with the gaffers. I don't have that this week because I could not find Peter Vermees's audio anywhere. For some weird reason, it's not on the KC site. It's not on their Instagram. It wasn't on Twitter or or anything. So... We're not going to have Peter Vermees, but we are going to play a little bit of what Robo said, just because it's had a lot of comments, and I want to talk about a few things off it. Yeah, very hard game. Obviously, the, there's fine moments in games. We started off very well, uh, fairly even, first 15 minutes, and then we concede, and then we're 3-0 down in 40 minutes. Uh, an incident then changes the game. We lose emotional control. And we have two players sent off and then they score three goals in the second half. So not good enough, not acceptable, um, embarrassing. Uh, let the players know, um, but we've got to brush ourselves down quickly because we've got a game on Friday. What was said to the group after the match and how will the team get through this? We've got to stick together in times like this. It's easy when you're doing well and when things are against you. And I certainly think that everything went against us today from, from the early miss uh, to some of the refereeing decisions. But our, we, we didn't help ourselves. We, we lose two men in an incident, which they started. Um, but we've got to be better than that. We certainly have. And in the second half, we talk about maybe trying to stay in the game and then catch, catch them on the counter. We set up that way by playing a 4-3-1 with our nine men we had. And within two minutes, we were lazy with our decision-making in our detail and we're 5-0 down before you know it so then it becomes a, a, a game of will mind um, and just concentration uh, and the guys who were on the field at the end worked as hard as they could You quite often say no excuses and that's that's obviously tonight's another example no excuses No excuses I don't make excuses any any stage any time I put, put 11 players on the field today that could win the game and I think they showed in the first 15 minutes that they were more than capable of doing it Fine lines the game's about fine lines and we didn't get our details right in either box. You know, yeah, you can blame deflections and things like that. I think it's lazy defending. Uh, and we didn't keep 11 men on the field. We have to do that. Uh, or the same is going to happen again. So Robbo there with a, a few things. And that was his post-game thing uh, for the media there. He also gave his regular interview on TSN Radio, where he was a, a lot more damning about it, I, I felt. But... I think he was more hands up about how unacceptable it was on the radio. He did say there, though, not good enough, not acceptable, embarrassing. And he said, an incident then changes the game. It did not. It was 3-0 down when 
the melee happened and the players were sent off. And they were under the cosh way before that. You cannot at all attribute anything with the sending offs to do with the end result. The game was embarrassing before the red card. Just to provide a different perspective, right? It was 3-0. Things were not, things were not going well, right? Uh, but th- being down three goals to Kansas City or being down multiple goals to Kansas City in MLS era has not been meant that the game is over. And so you can say that they had one foot in the coffin or whatever, but to me, the game, that did, in in fact, end the game. The game wasn't over. They were six foot under and gasping for air. But here's the the thing. In 2011, they came back for three goals to tie them. Yeah, I I think it was 3-1 when when they came back. But they, they, I think, that I mean, for me, the turning point of the game is the the, the best pass of the season we've we've seen so far from, from Tony to Jordy. And unfortunately, Jordy misses, and that for me is the turning the turning point in the game. But we, that you have to bear in mind that the Caps haven't scored a goal now in three games. You expect them to score three goals in sixty minutes against one of the best teams in the West? They're the best road team in MLS. <laughs> <laughs> so that's got no answer for that yeah. one. Oh no, I, I think I think it's it's fair to say the game's not there. You still have to play, right? Sure, their form. You're right, Joe. Their form was was not would not say that they could score three and a half or three and when it went to one sixty minutes, but I but, had my doubts they were going to get back into it. Then two, no. I was like, yeah, that's it. I had genuinely like, at, w- at one for, yeah. for me it was after wait, three. For me it was after three. It was done. That's when I exited the car, still on the bridge, but in the traffic. <laughs> I, he, he didn't jump off. <laughs> <laughs> now his fine line stick that we got there. Um, I tweeted that out, knowing. My Twitter would then explode when I tweeted out his, his quote. Some folk thought I'd made it up. Some folk maybe thought it was just my predictive text and come up with it. And for the audio that we played there, I was really tempted, I didn't have time to do this, to find one of his post-game things from last year where he said very similar things and just put that in and see if he could tell the difference. Now, Podcaps, one of the other White Caps podcasts, did a, a fun video on Twitter with his comments and the KC's goals that went down quite well with some folk. But... He, he he needs to stop saying the same stuff. And I think that's what's frustrating fans in, in a lot of regards as well. It's the same excuses. He says he doesn't make excuses. He he does make excuses. And to come up with the same things, the fine lines things, and we'll brush ourselves down, we'll get a response. Fans are just not buying it anymore. I I think, like, post-game interviews and all that kind of stuff, do you guys really learn anything from, from no. the no. yeah, it's, it's not a time to ask him good questions because he's not going to yeah. give you good answers. So, like, I can understand with the media training that he like that all the players have and that everyone in this in who is associated with the Whitecaps would have. Like, I can understand that you would say basically nothing for a long time. Um, so, I think that's kind of where that comes from. But we're at a point where we demand some kind of answer to what's going on. And it's just so frustrating to hear, like you're saying, Michael, the same thing over and over again. And I, I, I've agreed with his fine line comments before when taken in isolation. This was not a fine lines game. This was, like, on every level, uh, just outplayed, out-tacticked, out-performed, out-everything. Um, there, was no, there was no excuse for what happened. Is it fair to say that the fine line perspective... Can, can can at least be a tie to to Jordy's miss, like I, 
I know what he's meaning by it. Yeah. But when you've just watched your team, as Joe says, lose out on everything and completely outclassed, that's not the thing. It's like muscle memory. He just goes back and says it. Because it like, doesn't now, know what is that your muscle memory going back to Russell Berford's, Berford's article? Oh, <laughs> yes. From last week, I was like, what? Yeah, but it is. But That's a standard thing. But that is, here's... And we know that. But he's not the only coach who does this. This is very typical of... Oh, yeah. Of not all, maybe not all, no. but definitely many or at least most uh, coaches. This is how, this is how they I talk. Need, I want him to bring slides, attack a freaking <laughs> printer, and yeah. But, I mean, we learned a lot of things from the match. We learned a lot of things about how good Johnny Russell was. One thing we did not learn, though, from watching Johnny Russell in that game, though, was, did he fancy a chocolate digestive? So if you're if you're at home at night and you're wanting a hot beverage of choice, do, do you go for a tea, a coffee, or do you go for something else? I'd go for a tea. And are you a biscuit person? Yeah. And what would be your biscuit of choice, and are you a dunker? Um, they don't do them over here though, which is uh, the Maryland goodies. Oh, a cookie. They don't do them here, which is they're pretty, pretty special. <laughs> That's great. Thank you so much for your time, Johnny, and good luck this season. And I'll probably see you when you come up to Vancouver later in the year. Yeah, look forward to it. Appreciate that. Anyone fancy a chocolate digestive? Anyone fancy a chocolate I had him down for a chocolate digestive. I, I was so disappointed he did not say that. But he was our first opposition player that, that we've done that section with. We hope to do a lot more. Looking forward to asking Zlatan about that. Yeah, he's definitely a digestive man. I, I don't know. We In the UK, we have lion bars. He's going to mm, go for a lion a bar. rich tea. Oh, so oh a rich he tea was man. played in Italy quite a bit. Maybe he's gonna, we'll go with something Italian. I bought a really nice box of Italian... Biscuits from Bosa Foods the other day. Panettone, that's Italian, right? He's, is that yeah, he, he played in the 86 World Cup. He's got a couple of dogs. <laughs> Red card, too, I think. <laughs> but we'll round this section off by just t- talking about some of the, the players and how they did, very briefly, because I think we know. So it's time for our ranking. And once again, Steve, let people calm down a bit before we put the rankings out. I thought it was appropriate. Yes. And very, even more appropriate, when you first tweeted it out, you forgot the link to the survey. Another missing link to do with the Whitecaps. (laughs) No, but I thought if I, you you were saying put it out Saturday night, I figured there might be too many drunk people voting at that point, so I didn't want to do it then. Okay, so um, we'll start from the bottom. And they are all starters. Uh, none of the substitutes, usually substitutes get lost or whatever, but this time definitely the substitutes weren't there. Full bottom three, Efron Juarez was the bottom, Jordi Reyna, the two red card brothers, and then Marcel <laughs> Marcel Diong was third from the bottom. Hmm. And probably then, for the penalty, I would think, yeah. Probably. Uh, top five, uh, you got the two strikers, Blondell and Breck Shea. Uh, Alfonso Davies was number three. 
Ali Ghazal number four, and then the sub- one of the substitutes, Russell Tybert number five, and then the next two were substitutes as well. Well, the interesting thing, like whoscored.com, I don't know if folk are familiar with that site. It's a great site for stats. They had three of the subs in the top five for their rankings. All three subs were in, in the, the top five, and Marinovic was first. Yeah. So I think that just says Not it all. only that, the lowest Kansas player was Kyrie Shelton. Oh, I never looked he, at theirs. And he had a higher ranking than Marinovic. So every Kansas player was ranked higher than any Caps player. Well, you expect that in a 6 yeah. game. Yeah, it was 6-0. <laughs> they had two guys sent off, played with, you know, whatever, 50 minutes with nine men. Shelton got taken off because he wasn't playing well for the Kansas. Like, that's just the discrepancy between the two teams. Why would you take somebody off at a Right, right. but he was, sti- he was still on for, for part of the – he was still on for the goal, their, the first half of their goals. I did, Zach's added a bit of positivity to yeah. the show. Uh, any interest in preview podcasting? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, there's some other questions yeah, that d- maybe we'll, Questions we're going to have every week now. I ho- Hopefully not big need for them, but we'll do it every week. They, they have this kind of game. Um, how many players get a passing grade? Zero. <laughs> Zero was up at 30%. I put one for Ibini's uh, um, <laughs> Two got 28% and one got uh, 26% and it got lower than or four more, just 2%. And then uh, where, do the, where would the coaching staff rank in this? Um, 15th, which would be the, the bottom, obviously, uh, got a 55%. And then uh, the other three, one to four, five to eight, nine to fourteen, range from twelve to seventeen percent. Mm. So not very many people happy with the coaching staff in this case again. No, and yeah, some some big talking points coming from the game. We're going to look at that in in part three. We're going to dig into discipline or the lack of, and a lot more beside. Don't want to beat a dead horse, but there is some very important things we need to talk about, and we'll be back with that. After this. Hi, I'm Jordan Much, and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. Welcome back. You are listening to the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio. What was that music, Steve? Uh, that was the theme song for the late, great Bruno Sammartino. Another wrestler. Gone too soon. 82 years old. Yeah, though. gone too soon. <laughs> That's from a TV show too, right? What no, no. Well, it, it, it sounds it similar. It like 80 yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. but the, the, that was used in the 60s and 70s, I think. I think he was in this. Yeah, he's the 60s mostly, 50s maybe a little bit. I seem to remember from like the 80s. But. You're no, thinking, you're this, the this theme song, this theme song was used back then. Uh, basically, eight-year champion, eight straight years, sold out Madison Square Garden number of, over 100 times, I think, and uh, was three-year champion again afterwards, 11 years in total. Interesting. The most interesting part of his story was he was in Italy during the World War II invasion. The, the family actually hid in the mountains, and his mother had to sneak back into the village every once in a while past Nazis in order to get food and stuff for them. And she'd be gone for like uh, weeks or something like that while the kids were by themselves. Wow. 
Yeah, it was a, a really interesting life he had. Not interesting was. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I would be happy just to talk about wrestling for this part of the show, but unfortunately we have to delve in again to the Whitecaps woes. So this part's obviously going to be five hours. Um, we'll kick it off. Discipline. The lack of. Robo said that we lost emotional control. Feels a lot like 2016. And we saw how crap we were in 2016. Um, yeah, it's... These are, as I said, players that have played at international level. And I like players like Felipe and Juarez, who's got a bit of spirit, a bit of fight in them. But they need to do it at the right time. They need to be sneaky. And in this day of VAR, it's kind of impossible to do that because everything's getting monitored. So you have to use your heads. Well, you say 2016. The thing for me that's different is this feels like the f- first instant where things were not great in the discipline area, right? I mean, the the, the Kendall sending off in Atlanta was uh, was null, you know, null void, yeah, yeah, re- turned over by the league. So this is this this is the f- the first thing that's happened. So like 2016 felt like a bit of a difficult year on the whole. This seems like, or this is hopefully only one inc- incident. And not, hopefully, a beginning of a trend. True, but Juarez has felt like a red card waiting to happen all season. He's getting used to the, he's getting used to the referee. He's getting used to... I, and I, that was one of the things, actually, I did talk to him about the, after the LA game. Was just like, yeah, what do you think about the referee? Is it, is it going to take some time to adjust to this? Is it whatever? And he, he obviously had a great impact on him. No, yeah. No, we, we're just having a conversation. But... Uh, I mean, his his I know, his can send, he tone down? Can he, he rein it in? Though his sending off, though, like again, he doesn't look like he's trying to strike him in the face. But he, he got he, he got, got his got hands, hands up, face, which yeah. is undisciplined, very fair. I don't think he's trying to strike him in the face. If you use your Pere Luigi Kalina test, his hand is open, right? His hand is not closed. But it was his forearm. I think he knows what he's doing. And in a non-VAR world, he would never get no, that yeah, red no, card. I, right? Well, yeah, and it's true. So, like, yeah. It, it's a shove. It's a it's a hit to the face disguised as a shove. I think they That's forget think about is. VAR and they're used to playing the way that they play. And he did it twice too. Yeah, so he know like he knows what he's doing. I think. Okay, that's a that's a fair counter perspective. The the thing is though, for for me in that that whole incident is if you're going to use VAR in that way, I think I think even though it's not hands to the face, I think you have to send off Johnny Russell for insti- for not instigating. But taking the situation to another level, because you oh, can I say think he thought he was going to get sent off. Oh, I think it, so there's too. There's a fantastic little bit. Um, we were talking about this before we went on air. When after Reina gets the red card and Russell gets the yellow, he just walks past Reina and kind of shrugs his shoulders. Yeah, because you even I think they were even talking about it on the broadcast. I think if the rules were implemented properly, and we never see this happen, Russell would have gotten a yellow card for his first offence and then a yellow card for like what he did later yeah. on and he would have gotten a red card but we never see the two yellow thing I've seen it like once and I and I watch a lot of football like it never happens that that happens well that, that happens. see this was the confusing thing as well because Waston got the yellow card and then at some point Stott shows another yellow card to someone who we don't know who it was if you watch it he he, he throws a yellow card before he does the VAR review I don't know who that was too. That, wasn't that for Kendall for the tackle? No, he's already booked him. Oh, that was, yeah. Okay, after, so I yeah, think yeah. that might even have been for Juarez because he'd kind of seen what Juarez had done. 
and then he reviewed it and just changed it to a red. If but anything, he would have might, might, might have seen what Reyna did. Ray, I think Reyna oh, more. Was, Jordy yeah. more, yeah. Because Reyna just grabbed the guy by the neck and threw him to the ground. <laughs> that yeah. was but really the, the aggressive. fact is that their discipline was... In, okay, I actually, listening to Zach talk there, I he kind of changed my opinion about it because I wasn't sure if this was a incident in isolation or... A kind of a summary of the but, of how the cap of the players feel. But I think right? it's the frustration that I, that, that I, I, where yeah, they went overboard agree, because in a in a if that had happened in a one nil game or it, uh, it wouldn't have happened. It wouldn't have happened. Yeah. It but wouldn't the happen. question is like if the Caps keep playing badly, will it happen again? Yeah. Right? And I think it could. I I think we've brought in a couple of players in the last few years who don't have the same uh, mentality that like the some of the good Robo teams or well, the earlier Robo teams have had. Like the siege mentality. Like not all players buy into that. Yeah. Um. And if you don't buy into that, you're just someone looking in from the outside, right? Which I, is I, I, the opposite of a siege mentality. I was talking to Michael yesterday about that, and I was we were jo- I was joking with him, saying that I thought maybe both of them wanted an early shower, and they didn't realize what the other person had done, so they, that's why they both of them went off. Like they were both looking to get out of that yeah, game so as soon as possible. Time, let's get off. No, yeah. I, I do I do think though that this is part of what the the coaching staff probably talks to them about in terms of it's us against the world. Yeah, well, we'll we'll come to that. But before we come to that, I do want to talk about the coaching staff because how much of this lack of discipline that we've seen over the last couple of years is set by the coaching staff? Stuart Kerr got sent off in the game on Friday night. How many coaches or how many times have we seen coaches sent off in the Robo era? We've seen all all four of them have been sent off at various times, some of them more than once. And it seems to be that other teams don't have this happening anywhere near as much as we do. True. In 2016, it felt especially like that. This is the first time this year. I, I'd, I'm okay with Stuart Kerr getting sent off. I, I, that's what I want. I, I'm I, doing you, a bit of lip breathing. No, but you, that's what you want. You want, you, you'd, you'd rather, rather have him, yeah, yeah, you'd rather rather have rather him than, Ro- than Robbo. Oh, yeah. And so, Robbo got a warning. Right. It, so I think he's standing up and saying, I, I'm guessing, I didn't read all the lips or didn't see everything he said, but I think he's saying if you're sending both those guys off, Russell has to go too, and that's why he was he took the hit for the the, the, the team or the, the coaching team. staff. Yeah. It was and a much more shorter, expletive laden, succinct comment and, he made. And there are times like uh, obviously I'm not sure how often this happens in uh, soccer slash football, but in uh, two other sports, baseball and basketball, there's been so many stories about the coach actually going to the referee. Okay, you need to throw me out, and I need to send a message to my players. So they actually get thrown out on purpose in order to send a message to the players. I'm positive Stuart sure Kerr doing that. I'm sure that, yeah, that didn't happen there, but I'm saying the coaches but sometimes do when that. When your coaches are screaming at the officials from the bench constantly and arguing with the fourth official, it has to carry over onto the pitch. Oh, for sure. I think so. Yeah, I, I believe that to be the case as well. Like, and the referees get tired of it too. Yeah, and that like we it never I, it never works. We need a rugby style like where the co- referee yeah, has yeah. discipline. I would I I keep I watch those videos a couple times. I always go back to them because they now come as recommended because I watch them so much. But it's the way they just talk to the players. And these are big guys, and they just yeah. shut up and they curl down and they like get little kids. I totally agree with you. I wish that I wish the interaction between players and officials were the same as an egg chasing. Yeah, and 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 just like with simulation. Something could be done about this, but those those in uh those who are responsible for these kinds of things, you know, haven't taken those those steps. We've had like this this problem comes from the top. 
There's been amateur referee organizations that have had strikes because they get treated yeah. so badly. Who I think was it in Ontario there was a there was something referee, in Ontario. A referee got a- assaulted by a, some parents. A teenage yeah. referee. Yeah, by, got assaulted by in, a parent. In, in, yeah, like yeah. a U13 yeah. game or something like that. Like it's the culture is just so toxic towards referee. Like oh, who yeah. would want to be a referee? Well, if if anyone watches the video up here on YouTube of the provincial B Cup game from Saturday night, I mean the referee had a shocker, but I mean the abuse he was getting. But now we'll get into this whole kind of us v them mentality then. I don't mind it. It's, I think it is good. I think it lights a fire in certain players. But, I mean, is it helping us or is it hindering us? I think it, it leads to these mass confrontations at times because players think the officials have it in for them. And they've had it drummed into them that the officials aren't good. Oh, my coach is saying that the officials have screwed us out of this game. And they'll see it themselves and think that. But, I mean... Us against them, the siege mentality, it can backfire. I, I think more, I, I don't think, I, my opinion, personal opinion, and obviously I'm not in the dressing room when they talk about this, I don't think it's about the referees itself. I think Robbo most likely uses maybe the media being against them and uh, other teams and the league possibly because the league doesn't, you know, uh, you know, qualify Canadian teams as being important or whatever. I think he uses more, I don't know if he uses referees. I, I don't know, but I would think he would use the officials. Do you think so? Yeah, uh, I, I, I would think so too. But I would disagree with you, Michael. I don't think that that leads to them saying, oh, okay, therefore I can get up in their face and do whatever do whatever I want. I think oh, that's... No, he's not encouraging them to do that, but they're off the mindset yeah. that they're getting... Uh, it does influence people. Right, but, uh, if, if, I, if I say, if I tell my kid that his teacher is a bonehead or something like that, you think, the te- you think my kid's going to respect the teacher then? If I keep uh, harping on how bad uh, the teacher who is, is, this teacher? No, it's nobody in particular. <laughs> the difference is, is your is your your kid is of an age where they are more influenced by you than hopefully uh, an Ms. adult H- is influenced by their their adult coach. Miss Hicks and Miss Castle are great teachers. <laughs> but, but but footballers to counter that point, like footballers are a very insulated environment, right? right? And and they're fed information. Like some would say, a lot of information. Some would say not not a lot of information. And but. Like like Michael was saying, they're constantly being given this rhetoric by by Robbo or by the coaching staff. And I think if they did choose the referees as a target, which but the way that they act sometimes, I think like come on guys, like the whole I think last game, the game before this one, Felipe when he went down too easy, like that kind of style. Oh, of, when he got his fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that kind of um, attitude has to come from somewhere. We know Felipe has that in him, but like. Yeah. The mass confrontation thing is... Well, Fulton don't seem to like really. Felipe on other teams. So yeah. I, again, I, yeah. I don't mind that. It's like, for want of a better word, every team needs a bastard. Someone that other teams hate and don't like playing against. And just... Uh, but but going back, like, I, I think I think in that in this specific instant, instance in this game, they did feel hard done by, by the referee. And their response... Their response to that, the, like the mass confrontation after, was just because they, I, I think but it was I think unfair they were also that mad at themselves and it just all boiled over. But then Ro- we touched on this last week. Robo gave an interview with ESPN with Matt Pence on their website. In it, he said, "If I don't use us against them, I wouldn't be doing my job. It's really important to have a good team spirit, and that's why we've had the success that we've had. It helps me every day because how else could I get my players to complete?" compete against the types of players they're playing against every week. So he's basically saying, you guys aren't as good as these guys, which obviously they're going to know. They're not Zlatan, they're not David Villa. But what kind of mentality does that give them? 
Well, obviously that's led to the success. The playoffs three out of four years. That's success. Wow. It, it, it's meeting expectations in in terms of the owner's perspective, right? So, it, yeah, I, I think in one sense it is. Maybe, maybe not. You and I would have a different perspective on that, but I, I think I think the what he, what was said in that article is is this is what we've done in the past, and so we're gonna we, of course we keep using it. Otherwise, we'd be foolish not to. And I, personally, I do not think it leads to the, the players being more aggressive to the referees or, or whatever. I think every team needs a little bit of that us against them mentality. Yeah, it's, it's I just, don't just how, mind it's, it. It's how you bring the players together. Um, but I don't think it's absolutely necessary. Some coaches go overboard with it. Like Jose I don't Mourinho. think it's necessary to go in the media and give a quote yeah, like that. I, yeah, I agree with that. That's kind of a puzzling thing to, to say because he is admitting that the quality, there's a lack, a disparity in quality. So this comes back to what I've said before. If you listen to Robbo, if you read between the lines... But people don't. We I'm, do. Okay. But the so average that's, but that's person what we're here reading to, that... But that's what we're here to talk about, yeah, right? But the average person reads that and thinks, he's saying his players are crap. I think some of the players... Oh, sorry. Uh, some of the players don't read between the lines either. <laughs> I have a feeling. Well, there's fine lines. Yeah. No, no. But, but seriously... This this points to one of the bigger problems at at the football club, is that they are not using all the mechanisms as we talked in the past. They're not using all the mechanisms to their advantage. They are intentionally not using a couple of them to their to, to the, the fullness of what they could, and therefore you're not going to have if you last year if you're spent ninth in the in the in the spending table, then if you come any higher than ninth, you should you've you've over you've outdone yourself. Which they which they did. Yeah, I mean, they, yeah. If you look at it that way, I don't want to go on too much about the ESPN article. The last thing I'll, I'll last two things I'll quickly say about it. One, he also said in it that about the Seattle game that if we get into an open football match with them, nine times out of ten they're going to beat us. You've got to find ways to get the best way out of your group, and if if you're going to beat us, you're going to have to deserve it. We're not going to make it easy, apart from maybe Friday night. That's almost scandalous to yeah. say that. Just nine times a, out of ten, they're going to beat us. Like nine times out of ten is something he says a lot as well. It's like a fine lines, like kind of. But the, thing for, that he for says. me, nine out of ten times means you're an MLS team, and the team that you're playing is um, almost below USL, but, or yeah. something like that. But like he's oh, talking I'm gonna, about a League One, but he's talking about an yeah, exactly. So match what, as well. So he's not just talking about an, like he basically he's saying if he goes toe to toe. Plays attacking, puts in an attacking but lineup light that, against He's saying KC. that he is incapable of having an attacking. That's not yeah. true. He sets up the team. It makes you think he defensive. put out that lineup against KC. So see, we can't play like this. But when this. you look at the look at the, the the options that Schmetzer has, he has far more attacking options to play an open attacking style. At least, and this year they have injuries and problems or whatever. But in general, if you look at what they're spending on their DPS and the roles that they've played in the last let's say three seasons, this season and the, the last two, that, that, w- w- would you, if you put it into FIFA or whatever, or you put it into, uh, what's it, football, football manager, you put it in there, I don't know that he'd be that far off. Maybe it's three out of ten you win. I, I, I don't know. But again, I think he is, what he's communicating is maybe not uh, so on the surface. But a coach can't admit, like, not, not, not that he can't admit that publicly, but you should think you should be able to win any game, right? If you if you have confidence in your ability and confidence in your team, like uh, you should you should have an idea, like have a game plan at least that you could beat 
any team, right? Like the MLS is quite an even league when it comes down to it. It's not like the Premier League where the like the Manchester City would d- devour any team that's in the bottom half. Like, no, I don't think nine times out of ten is maybe that's just a phrase that he used that was ill used. Yeah. But, it's just, just a bizarre interview. When you don't have a player that's making uh, more than a million dollars on your team and you're playing against a team that has at least three that are over $1.5 million, you don't think that that's a huge discrepancy? I think we. I think with that self-imposed cap that the Caps have, we've gotten Kai Kamara, who, if I would compare him to Clint Dempsey, Clint Dempsey's a better player. But I don't think he's nine times out of ten better than Clint Dempsey. Position for position... We're not. We're missing an attacking midfielder against Seattle. Like Nicholas Ladero is something that the Caps don't have. Right. That's that's ten times out of ten. That that is. Yeah. <laughs> that but if you look at the back line, back when we had Parker, like which is the time frame he was talking about, I would have our back line over Chad Marshall, who can yeah. barely move anymore, or like their wing, their fullbacks were a problem position that time. We had uh, we had Nerwinski, Nerwinski and Harvey yeah. as a, like Nerwinski was like third place in rookie of the year. You know what I mean? I I totally hear you, but yes, okay, so. Are some defensive players maybe better than their defensive players? Their their offensive players, I don't think, are as close as you were saying in terms of that number two player for Seattle and and Kai Kamara. I don't think the I don't think the gap is that close. Plus, he's not the only player. Like you talk about, Vancouver is missing an attacking midfielder. They have an attacking midfielder on. I forget his, I forget his salary number from last year, but over I'm pretty sure it was over one point five. It might have been over over two. So that that's a that's a huge discrepancy, right? It, you know, Joe, Joe, if you and I were building teams on in real life or in, you know the video games or whatever, right? That would be a a, a a crazy thing. If you and I were picking cards to build teams, and I said I want character players over you know guys I like over guys I don't like in terms of their style or personality, it, it, you know it gives you a you know a huge advantage, and yeah. that's why you, that's why you beat me. I think this is not. <laughs> apples, yeah, apples, apples, apples. <laughs> Not apples, apples, but the discrepancy is is more than significant. But I do agree with Zach that if they had players that are in the million plus range, as long as they fit the team, I think this team would be so much better. In fact, I think it would challenge for a top spot in the West. But nine times out of ten, that's not, just, not, that, not, that's not the nine line times that out of ten. I agree with you. Oh, nine okay. out of ten times was a bad. Is, is it fair to say that that part is hyperbolic? Then? Yes. I, like I said, I think it's just something that bollocks. he's. <laughs> like I said, I think it's just something that he's used to saying. That he just, you know, while you're trying to f- fill a gap in a sentence, you re- say that. Okay, so Michael, though, th- if you say it that way and then you win four out of ten and you know whatever, then isn't that then isn't that a positive for you? Isn't that a positive? Then you go back to your players and say, look, they're they they spend whatever more than us. They have a bigger, you know, whatever, and yet we beat them four times out of ten in the last ten, and they, you know tied to and whatever like isn't that isn't that don't you want to have that and then it becomes this well yeah as i use hand gestures on radio let's just move on because we've got a lot of stuff to cover in this section right it's not been a great year defensively so far we're going to look at some stats i'll give you some steve will give you some we've got one win in six games now one goal in the last four matches no home goals in the last 200 minutes we're tied for first in mls for most goals allowed 17 We've got the worst goal differential in MLS already at minus nine, and that's uh, and the thing I, I was wanted to see was comparison to 2011, um, because a lot of people said, oh, we're uh, uh, talking about during the week that while 2011 wasn't a great year, there was there was great entertainment out of that year. That a lot of people had charisma and stuff like that. Um, I was looking at the stats after uh, eight games, uh, like you said, there's eight goals for, 17 goals against this year. 
Back then, it was 11 goals for, 14 goals against. Um, and it, the wins, uh, they got re- four results out of the first seven games. Oh, sorry, out of the first eight. It was just one win and three draws instead of three draws, three wins and one draw like it is this year. So a little bit flop there, but overall, they were always tight games, one one goal games, maybe two goals games at the worst. So just the perspective of that, you have to look at the coaches oh, for in sure. that, right? Uh, Tater was played extremely direct football at the, at the time, but he was also, in my opinion, set up to fail. And, oh, sure. and, I agree with that. And, yeah. <laughs> and not only in building the squad and overrating things or whatever, but also just in the fact that they only gave him a one-year deal. It was so, if things go bad, we just get rid of him. And 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 that's what they did. And, and the and game, I mean, but and after he left, the games got a lot worse, a lot more lopsided oh, too. Yeah. But if you look at our defense this year, there, there's no one that you can just automatically point a finger at and said, "Oh, it's their fault that we've let in so many goals," or it, it's there's been too many changes because it hasn't been. It's been a standard backline. So I mean, what's behind the defense looking poor? Is it the midfield that's letting them down? Is it marking? Is it just? Individual errors. For me, it's the lack of support from the midfield. Yeah, and, the, and not not dropping back enough. The structure. I don't think the rules yeah. are very well defined back there at the moment. It's hard not to to disagree with that in terms of the, the help from the the center of the midfield, right? Like Ali Ali G obviously got into this game. He also he also struck someone's face, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Interesting there, there was a couple of others as well that I thought, like on both teams, and mainly it was the Whitecaps that yeah. had their hands up. But so I'll, I'll, in, I'll, in way of surrendering the game. <laughs> no, but they. Uh, oh, go ahead, Joe. I actually mentioned on Twitter if the Caps got three more red cards, they would have gone back to three nil because that's when you default after you yeah. get five reds. So they should have gone. It'd been that better for goal difference. I wonder if there's a, a special fine in MLS for doing that though. Um, but, but no, it, they get more gam. They haven't had Ali G, and I know they did in this game, but yeah. they haven't had him there. I he think, will help. They haven't had him there with Aha and, K- and Kendall together, and and it, it doesn't feel like things have gelled together. I think that's a part of the issue, and I agree with you, Steve, in terms of. The midfield, it feels like it hasn't sorted out how to best pick up runners or, or whatever or support the defenders, in the mi- especially in the middle. I think that starts and ends with trying to fit Felipe into the team. So I think Tybert was having a good season, and then like Felipe has been crowbarred in there. He's He should be playing in the attacking midfield, but like the only way we can fit him in there is by dropping one of our defensive midfielders and because we still want to play Reyna, we still want to play um, whoever else can play in attacking midfield. Yeah, I mean, that, that's the problem we've been talking about for the last few weeks. But I mean, the, the defence then, do you go with a back four? Do you risk the three and try and get that bedded in? The two wing backs give some five if needed? The unfortunate thing is I think the one of the, the negatives that, are, that comes out of uh, Friday's result and performance is that it feels like the snow game last year where it's like, oh, they did three at the back. Well, yeah. if, you, if it, they, it's it, just not working if they, for us if, anytime. If they do that it. again, everyone's going to be like, what are you doing? You just got smashed 6-0, right? So it, it's unfortunate. It feels like that m- might have died a quick death. And I think that more more opportunity or more time should should be given to it. And maybe that'll happen in the, the Voyager's Cup or something like that. But I, mm. I think I think you'll see a back four. I, if I was, a, if I was a, uh, a person who you know wanted to – Put my money where my mouth is. I would probably put put some money I'm hoping behind. It's a back four. I yeah, agree too. Yeah, but I think four. if it is a back three, stop putting De Jong back there as a center back. Put yeah. like better off like we speaking earlier. Put Gazal as one of the three if you're going to well, do anything. 
uh, Henri is ready to go. Yeah, if, uh, if he's good to go, then you put do that. Don't mention sure. Henri Ben Josie. <laughs> that was a handball, man. Um, I I think you, we should go back to basics. Um, if whatever basics is for Robo four two three one or like eh, maybe even a four four two if we if at home, I I I think you just have to simplify. Like I think it's too complicated. Something's obviously not working structurally. Um, like role wise in the midfield, like I don't think it's very well, uh, well done. Instead of like trying something completely new, just revert back to something that you know that works. Maybe even a four-one-four-one. I think. Quick yes or no. Do you put Sean Franklin in to get some experience in that backline now? I know Jake's not really done too much wrong, and he was he's rested now. But do you put Franklin in? No. No for me. I would be okay with it. I would be as well. So we're split. I actually want to see Franklin for this game against us. Yeah, nothing against Jake. No, I, just, but I just want to see what it's yeah. like with Franklin in there to see if it makes a difference. So, last bit of this part. It's a big question, which we could talk about for five hours. How do you turn things around from here? Now, let's maybe not get into that too much because we don't have enough time to do that. But four of the next six games are at home. They're massive. RSL feels massive. Robo said on the radio that no player should be surprised if they don't start this game against RSL. What do you do? How do you turn this around quickly? Because they have to. They cannot lose on Friday. Well, you know, two players that won't start. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, I think, like I said, I think you go for uh, four two three one. Let's get back to the basics. Yeah, get, like get attacking players What's on the warped, field. What he knows. Yeah, um, and I think Blundell should play. Um, for sure. I think he will play anyway because he's probably our highest yeah, ranked striker. Yeah, I think he's But uh, I think, you know, he could be the one that gets us out of this slump if he hits a rich vein of form. He hasn't been given a real chance, really. Yeah. Ba- I say backline same with Nowitzki coming back. Um, I say Gazal and Tybert in front of them, stuff like that. Um, put Davies back at left back, or maybe as the number 10. Mix it up. Yeah, and in terms of the short term with, you know, with players and you know what we have here right now, I think, yeah, getting back to 4 2 three, one, because they most of these players have played a lot of it in their time in Vancouver, and so I think that will really help. I think um, I think I think you, they're going to bring in Christian Tachera for sure. Uh, yeah. I think on, on one side, <laughs> and well, and I think and he was rested. Yeah, and because uh, he'll again. he'll connect well with uh, I think with with Anthony as well. Even. Yeah, and yeah, who do you have as the ten? Well, they, yeah, that's a big that's a big big problem. It's I think gonna it's going to have to be Felipe, Felipe and not and not yeah. not Nico Mosquita. I know this is probably not on the radar, but uh, I would love to see. And this might just cause a bigger problems or whatever if things go bad. But I would love to see like, well, I think Russell probably will start. But I'd love, to, I want to see Dave Norman play so bad. I thought you were going to say just put Simon Collin in there because we haven't even got time to talk about yeah, no. that this week. But not yeah, yet, not, not yet, not yet. He's he's been impressing me at training. Yeah, I've heard good things about the young man, yeah. both on and off the field. We'll do that next week. And uh, we'll go all over all that in the preview podcast. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to step on your toes too much. Definitely check out the preview podcast. It'll be out probably Wednesday night, Thursday morning again. These Friday games are killing us trying to get two shows out in a good time to let everyone hear it. But we'll be back with more non-Whitecaps chat you'll be glad to hear after this. Hey, I'm Brett Levi's, and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. Sunshine on a rainy day makes me want to move away. I think I've got it sorted. I'm going to get myself deported. I'm considering a move to LA. 
Welcome back. You are listening to the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio. Art Brute there with Moving to LA. I was going to play that song last week since we played LA, but then I went for for Art Brute's Bad Weekend instead, and I thought they didn't have one called Badder Weekend. They did have one called Good Weekend that I thought was going to be fun because I was going to play that this week, but that hasn't happened. Might be waiting a while for that song, I think. Yeah, but we're, we're going to do something now, which we do in the preview show. We're going to play a game which Joe came up with. Do you know who I am? Yes, do you know who I am? I have been wanting to play this since I've been listening to these stop, preview stop. podcasts. Stop, I know the answer. I know the answer. I'm ready. I was ready. Joe never gets to play this because he hosts it, so now he gets to take part. But, but now my reputation, like I keep telling the lads, I'll do so much better than you guys, but now it's oh, be- He has test. one own goal this year. He's got a, he's got a victory. We've, it's an own goal by them because they. Yeah. it was Marco Donadell, for I, God's that sake. Was, that was one of the easiest yes. ones you've done this year. So for anyone that hasn't listened to the preview podcast, A, why not? But what we do is we're going to read you six or seven clues about a player. This player will be an MLS. He's a current MLS player. And if anyone knows the answer, they can say stop and guess. But you can only guess once for each clue, so you can't have multiple guesses. So we'll kick things off with question one, clue one. Can you cover cover your paper? Well, it's not going to help you. Oh. <laughs> Clue one. I was born on March 1st, 1992. Clue two. I played my youth football for Barcelona SC. Wait, go ahead. Do you, do you, do you get one guess per clue? Yes. You don't have to, but you can. So you can you can guess after every clue if you oh, guess. stop stop okay I forget his first name but Vasquez and Trauma? Uh, see, I was gonna say that <laughs> no right. oh, okay good thing I didn't say it <laughs> don't think oh, you listened properly to what oh, I yeah. said yeah, there. he's too young clue three this is my eighth season in Major League Soccer I don't know anybody this is great I love this. <laughs> Oh yeah, dead air, good, good I hate, stuff. <laughs> I hate being on this side. <laughs> the bright lights. Clue four. I have made 178 MLS appearances, scoring 44 goals for the two clubs I have played with. I don't got this at all. 144 goals, midfielder maybe? Uh. Oh, that could be a striker in MLS too. <laughs> Josie Altador in Sunderland. Okay, clue five. I'm getting further than you do with yours. Well, you have se- seven clues, right? Yes. I have four caps for my non-CONCACAF national team, the last of which was in 2014. Oh, man. I'm not very good at this. You're exposing <laughs> us for having like, no knowledge. Uh Twenty-five, twenty-six. Possibly. I don't even have a guess. Mm. Like I don't even have a box. I know this is great. <laughs> Clue six. I won the Voyagers Cup in twenty eleven and twenty twelve. 
So that should give you an idea of who he was with in those years. No, I don't remember who won those years. <laughs> um, give you a clue. It wasn't us. <laughs> I know who was, I know who was, but I'm trying to think who Barcelona what? SC, so it's not Barcelona. And he's a current player. Yeah, right? I see you've club. picked up on that. Oh, he's yeah. a current player too, right? There's yes. some Barcelonas in South America. Yeah. Um. Oh God. I don't remember who was on. Okay, this is team. the one, the last clue, and you should get it from this. I thought. <laughs> I doubt it. <laughs> I am known to some as a cap killer. Okay, he's played from Montreal. <laughs> And one other club. Stop Felipe? No. Oh. You, you you said he's played for two clubs in MLS, right? Yes. Okay, that takes off Felipe. He's three. Yeah, and he's Montreal. Oh, this is so easy to get a point. <laughs> Montreal and one other club. Hang on, hang on. Hang yeah. On. Who I, scored goals for Montreal? I, I don't There's know. There's only like a few I, guys I, I can think no of. I have no idea why you're going on about Montreal. No, TFC won in 2011. <laughs> oh, yeah, right. <laughs> Okay, do I get a point for knowing TFC Maybe. one and twenty? No, no, hang on, hang on. Um, <laughs> We're overrunning, man. Is this? <laughs> no, this is Tr- over. Tr- I'm yeah. gonna give you one eighth clue, but you're not gonna. If you get it, doesn't matter. The Caps will face him. Maybe on Friday. Oh, oh I, I know. Plata. Yeah. Yes, because <laughs> Barcelona SC is an Ecuadorian yeah, youth yeah, club. Yeah, yeah. So, so draw Plata. Yeah. I just love that song, that's why I wanted to play it. It's a dance remix from a road rage incident that went viral in the UK. Uh, so now, yeah, it's time for our MLS Weekend Review, so... We'll go over very quickly because we are overrun. I'll kind of rattle through this. If you thought last weekend was a bad one for the Whitecaps... Yeah, worse. This weekend was worse. All 12 teams in the West were in action. There was wins for KC, LAFC, Houston, Dallas, RSL, Seattle, Portland. Caps, San Jose, Galaxy, Colorado, Minnesota lost. Yeah. Caps were now down to sixth in the standings, but worryingly for me, on points per game... They're eight. Because I think they played the most on everybody. Yeah, or them and Columbus. Columbus, I think, too. Casey's got eight as well. <laughs> I don't know. They, these guys are making jokes amongst themselves. Uh, Chris was playing along with uh, Do You Know Who I Am? And he guessed around eight players before. Oh, seeing that made me feel a little bit better. Okay. Montreal. Well, actually, was that a good weekend for Canadian clubs? No, it wasn't. Six, 16 goals oh. given up between us. We led, though, number one again. <laughs> it was <laughs> number awful. Number one in Canada. I mean, it Tron- was 16 to four in aggregate. Toronto, you understand, because the, they got <laughs> yeah. they got a, a more important match in the midweek. But, um, which I'm still mad about, which will come to Montre- the Montreal, man, they uh, they had the lead, and the, they had not I had think the it was 3-1 at the half, or 3-2? Well, they had not. It was, it was a, three, three co- was it Cabrera yeah. who got sent off? I can't remember. I, I, think it was, I think it was Cabrera. It, it was the last man foul. LAFC, though, continuing to be entertaining and horrible in defense at the same time. No. Quick question about penalty. Yeah, I thought they changed the rule so that if it's a... If, yeah. If if you make no attempt to play the ball, it is still a red card. Yeah. So that's if, a, if I you didn't stopped, actually see the tackle. If you stopped a goal-scoring opportunity and made no attempt, it is a red. And I think if I remember, he did try to tackle him. He wasn't really playing the ball at all. But first half Piatti hat trick, LA should uh, had th- it should be three all because they missed a penalty. Yeah, Arena missed that, and then Vela 
had a, an open goal, basically, that, that he missed a sitter. Yeah. 12 goals conceded in six halves of football, though, by LAFC. None, none to us in the two that they played against us, <laughs> of course, but we barely even tested that defence. Simon scored for LA. That, that was, was a nice. Emotional, was a lovely nice. goal and emotional for the, the humdinger. Really happy for him. And if you noticed, he ran over to to kind of celebrate with Mark DeSantis. Was that who it was? Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, I saw him pointing at somebody. Wasn't yeah, there? I saw him hug someone. I was yeah. like, who is that? Great turnaround in the second half. Goals from Benny Filehaber, an own goal. Two in the last seven minutes from Vela and then Latif Blessing. Great win. Some Everyone, of those goals were like, like one was off the bar and then another post. and They were like, hit yeah, so the, many posts yeah. in that game too. Everyone talked about how good the Caps have been on the road, but the last two matches may have shown otherwise. But LAFC, four wins out of their first six. That's impressive, but, especially for a new team. Yeah, I think it's... I think a lot of that's down to Bob. Well, I mean, the, the, some of their players, yeah. like, like Vela, but, but Bob Bradley, I think, has done a lot of things right. And I also want to say Mark DeSantis as well, because we never got a chance to play this last week because we were overrunning. We are overrunning this week, but I'm still going to play it. I got a chance to speak to Mark DeSantis after the LAFC game last Friday, so let's just bring you that for you now. So Mark, obviously back in Canada, yeah. went with LA today. Uh, first of all, just this match, how how did it feel to you being here in MLS, in Canada, yeah, and getting a win? It's, uh, Vancouver is a place that I have good memories for different reasons, right? It's uh, a place with a lot of history, at least for me as a coach, that, uh, that, that I went through a lot of things here in Vancouver. Of course, in the times of the impact, and yeah. so coming back here, it was it was special. Anytime I think I'm gonna go with the team to a Canadian club, it's gonna be something special for me. Um, and I, I think you know, overall, I think I, I'd leave it to Bob uh, to 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 talk about the game. But I think yeah. it's it's a game that was under control and a game that we deserved the three points. Now you've had a. An amazing whirlwind of a managerial career the last couple of seasons. USL final, NASL final. What made you then decide that MLS was the place for you? So, so after winning the USL final with the Impact um, and losing the NASL final with Ottawa, uh, uh, it was almost an obsession for me to win the NASL. You know, I wanted to win those both leagues somehow. And after doing it with with San Francisco, when I went to San Francisco, I wanted to stay there for for the full three seasons of contract. I didn't have intentions of of leaving, but then things happened, um, you know, with ownership group, and I had to leave. And it was good to leave, finally winning the NASL and against the Cosmos. And then when Bob called me and the opportunity came, to finally be around an MLS club, I just thought naturally it was the next step in the career before, before something else. Who knows, you know? And like that year in San Francisco, towards the end, it must have been so bizarre and unsettling because you just didn't know what was happening with the team. It, it looked like the writing was on the wall, but yeah, as a yeah. coach, how did you focus the players for that final? Like I always preached with the players that we have to be the best we can today. And the only thing we we would be able to control was the day-to-day work. And if we would be able to win the league or do something big, everybody would get valued. And that's the focus I was on with the players every day. 
Um, we were able to keep everybody on the same page, motivated, and then it became a little bit of the world against us. And we said, if we're going to get out of this, we're going to get out beating, beating New York Cosmos. So at the end of the day, after beating the Cosmos in a stadium that had 13,000 people, I just felt, you know, this club is going to leave, but it's going to leave with, um, with the impression of um, an, a special night for always that's going to stay in the city of San Francisco when it comes to soccer. Coming to LA, it's an expansion team, but in a lot of ways it doesn't feel like an expansion team. Mm-hmm. How have you found these first sort of six weeks with, with the team? Yeah, but I think Bob has a very clear vision with the staff where he makes everybody feel important. Everybody's part of the group. Everybody has an important role. Nobody's bigger than anybody. You know, there's no ego. And um, it creates a family environment like I said before, in LA, the club, everybody has a very big heart, a very good heart. So because of that, I think it made everything easier. That's great. Thank you so much for your time and good Thank luck the rest so of the much. season. Nice Thanks, Mark. Nice to see you again. Thanks, you too. Nice to see you. That was Mark DeSantis there. really enjoyed having a, a chat with him after the game last week. Just going to rattle through the, the rest of the stuff here. So we won't do a lot of talking, just me kind of going over what happened in the week. I'll throw a few things your way, though. Mm. Houston 5, TFC 1. Totally expected. Now, this <laughs> well, one, not the scoreline. This one we will talk about, because <laughs> this is a match that should never have been played. I said this last week, it's ridiculous not to order Houston to cancel this. They, they had a special family day or something planned. It's like... No, it's not that. I mean, well, it probably isn't part that. But it's... Why would you... If you're if you're Houston, why would oh, you... Oh, no, I get why they wouldn't do yeah. it, but it should have been mandated by, by the, MLS. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it's, I hate TFC. You expect... I don't want them to win the CCL, yeah. but it, it's what it does to us. Because that's two games now that Western playoff po- potential playoff contenders for the Whitecaps have got three points. Well, it's not three even. Easy points. It's not even three points. It's the the it, like. It seems like it's awoken those teams that have played them, right? Yeah, and I mean TFC looked like they were maybe going to make a bit of a battle off it in the first half, but the offside goal that yeah. got called back it was but nice, that was a nice header. Yeah. yeah, but it was a legit offside. It was goal. one pretty one way traffic. Bart got through, it right through the scorers, but. Sorry, I forgot. Last week it didn't ignite Colorado because they were awful this week. T- but well, but, yeah. Well, well, yeah, we'll come with that. Yeah. I mean, they they had. Just cause to be awful this week. But I just think it's, it's terrible and it hits the caps hard. TFC as well, bottom of the East. Six back of the playoff spots, which they'll make up. I mean, oh, that, for that's sure. fine. But they're 14 off New York City, 13 off Atlanta. That's but, not so easy to make up, but, even with the games in hand. But when you get into the playoffs, you get you, anything can happen. But and you so, want your home field advantage. It could stop them hosting an MLS Cup, etc., etc., etc. You can't talk about this early part of the season for Toronto until Wednesday night, because if they w- if they win the Concacaf oh, yeah, Champions League, it, it does it doesn't yeah. almost doesn't matter. Do you think they will? Have they blown it? I think they've blown it. I think Chivas will play way more disciplined than any of the other teams because well, they don't have to get a, they don't have to like uh, let stuff go through. Well, obviously the goats have the upper hand in both the scoreline and the fact that they're playing at home. But I I think that Toronto could do it, especially if they score that first goal. 
Oh, yeah, especially it's especially oh, yeah. if it's, it's in the first up. half. First goal is massive. Yeah. yeah. But even, well, the first goal is massive. But in a way, because they could still win. I think the first goal is way far more massive if Toronto scores. And it, it goes yeah. straight to penalties as well, no extra time. Yeah, why? Why is that? That makes no that's, sense. That's that's like is this a preseason tournament? Is it, it? Is this is this the All Star game? Go extra like, time. It's it's the road to the FIFA Club World Cup. That's what it is. Mm. I I think they've I think they've blown it. But I if any team could overturn it, like well, Chivas aren't doing great. Either, well, they, they've know? shown that they can win in Mexico now. Or yeah. get results of yeah. some kind. If anyone can overturn a Joe, it's some team that spends exponentially more money on their squad than anyone else in their Let's life. But get less, into that argument. But I've had but enough Zach, of it on Twitter. But, but, don't, they, but don't, they, don't, they, don't they spend less than Mexico, the Mexican teams, though, still? Even despite how much they spend, if I'm not mistaken? Uh, well, that's a good question. So yeah, I'm, I'm, actually, sure. I'm not sure that's about that. That's for another week. Okay. Uh, wait, Josie Elster is not good, right? Like, he's not great. He no, missed so he many chances. Yeah, sometimes. But he yeah. gets so many chances that he, it, even yeah. if he misses, like he still he gets two enough. Two great chances in that Chivas game. Yeah, and he just bottled it. So let's rattle through the, the rest of the results. Orlando three, San Jose two. Almost gave up. Orlando almost gave up the, yeah, the win 3-0 there. Yeah, three to Orlando at one point, and by the 69th minute, and then two goals from Florian Youngworth. Yeah, when San Jose when late. San Jose scored that goal, they showed uh, Jason Christ, and he gave like a look back to the bench, going, "What's going on here?" They've been giving up late goals, left, right, and center. Dallas 2, Philly 0. Dallas now the only undefeated team left in MLS, up to second in the in the West. Second half PK from Myra Diaz and Maxi Ruti. Rounded the keeper, nice little finish as well, got the three points. Wait, you can score after rounding the keeper? Mm, oh. Apparently you can. I think they need to play this to your doing a loop. I'm just RSL joking. 3, Colorado 0. Rocky Mountain Cup. Fifth biggest rivalry in MLS, possibly? <laughs> I don't know. Um, Tim Howard was sent off. For handling outside the box, which I still think looks like it hit his chest, but it was but VAR it, didn't overturn. It, no, no, it, so. Berber, it was. It, it's not clear and obvious. It's not going to get overturned. And the referee went to the assistant, and the assistant said, "Yes, he handled yeah. it outside." So. The referee was Joseph Dickerson, on his second game in charge. Good, I just, I just good. went to say the name Dickerson. I knew. You, I, yeah. <laughs> Can't trust, uh, can't trust a man called Joseph. But they brought in Zach. <laughs> they did bring Zach McMathen, who's a keeper. I think a keeper one was goalkeeper. Oh, totally. Yeah. Yeah, he did well, and he held him up B till, well, 82nd minute was when the penalty went in. It was given about the 79th. So the 10 men held out really well. Yeah. Which I, I, I mean, it was a VAR penalty, and then there was a, another two goals in quick con- after that. Yeah. What was the word I was looking for there? Quick succession. Succession. I was going to say concession. That's just the white caps. I'm just so used to that. Condone. Um, Don't use the concession. Positive for the caps. RSL did not look great against 10 men. And they didn't look great beating us 2-1. What about nine? Nine men? Mm. <laughs> 11. They've, they've beat, beat us with 11. Didn't look great against 10. So maybe nine is the way to go with this. Nine, nine should also be great for the siege mentality, shouldn't yeah. it? <laughs> Us against sorry. them, I'm sorry. certainly. LA Galaxy got beat by Atlanta 2-0. Nice little win for Atlanta. Joseph Martinus missed a penalty, hit a post, and then he opened the scoring. Yep. What did you say about trusting people? They've chosen? <laughs> um, excellent road performance from Atlanta. I mean, they've been great on the road as well. They've been great all season. But the last goal wasn't to death. And yeah. So it was Met really a one nothing. Minute. It was one nothing win. Where was Latin? Did nothing. Uh, well, Atlanta sent out a tweet, Dear LA, you're welcome. Atlanta <laughs> FC or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Today, two games, Seattle 3, Minnesota 1, Portland 3, New York City now. Two comfortable wins for our Cascadian rivals. Horrible. Yeah, it's too bad. You know, 
Toronto, Montreal, you know, lost yesterday. And so you were hoping going into this to help take the edge off the weekend that the Cascadian side would lose, but they weren't having it. Dempsey was benched. Came on and got an assist, but he was still benched. Rested. He was probably And then Addy, Addy didn't play at all. He was on the bench and for the first time since being in Portland did not come on. Yeah. Made up for it with getting a goal today. Two goals in about two minutes for, for Portland in that first half. Clint, they were easing him in after yeah. his suspension. Yeah, they yeah, didn't want him on too long to mm. see any red mist. But that was the Western teams in MLS this week. And we will be back with more chat after this. Hey, it's Marco Bustos. You're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. Welcome back. You're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio. Part 5. The final part. But my favourite time of the show, it's wavelength time. This is a song that references lots of football stuff in it. How many songs are you going to hear on Vancouver Radio or any radio that mentions Standard Liège, for example? And we're kind of continuing our Panini sticker theme as well. There's a, a bit later on in the song about getting multiples in a pack. I won't spoil it, though. This is a song from 2014. Is this from packs from Shoppers Drug Mart? Could be. Or London Drugs, or yeah. wherever you may get your packs. Of no, I'm talking about stickers. the Whitecaps. Oh, def- oh, well, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. The guy in the song, if he got what I got, he'd be even more furious than in the song. This is a song from 2014, from our favourite band on the show, Half Man, Half Biscuit, from their album Urge for Awful, And this is This One's For Now.
Man Half Biscuit there, this one's for now, from the 2014 album Urge for Awful. And there is nothing more awful, although this was O-F-F-A-L, there's nothing more awful than, than getting multiple stickers in your panini pack. It's just, it drives me nuts. And panini stickers, we haven't brought back our swap so- shop section. Oh no, it's the chip shop sauce again. Swap shop section. And we'll bring that back soon, but... Folk have been having trouble initially getting their panini stickers. They do seem in stock now. Steve, you saw I, them. I located some in uh, London Drugs on Scott Road. So there'll be loads going around. And then, uh, those are the cheaper ones. At, I, I was oh, at a Toys yeah. R Us. You and told me this. And I, I just I saw the stickers. I go, well, let's see how much this is. It was two bucks a pack they used to for, be, for five yeah, stickers. you used to get seven for a buck. When I was a lad, you got seven for 20p. And you poo-pooed that article we talked about, that yeah. how much it was going to cost. I'm still going to buy them. Anyway, it's time now for BC Soccer Web Headlines. BC Soccer Web Headlines is brought to you in partnership with bcsoccerweb.com. Your one-stop site for local, national and international news and links. Make it part of your everyday routine Check out bcsoccerweb.com. What's been catching your eye on the site this week, Steve? A couple of follow-up articles. Uh, First of all, European League's opposed plan for a 48-team 2022 World Cup, four years earlier than what they want. Well, considering it's getting played in December, no wonder. South America was going for it, but then that's the thing. They don't want to change the calendar. There's going to be a lot of stoppages, especially for the Premier League in England. Um, other teams, other leagues usually have a break, but they, they don't. Um, so there'll be a big break there. So they don't want to extend it anymore. Um, a little close to home for Michael, AFC Wimbledon. Um, the EFL has dropped charges after club refused to use the MK Don's full name. Yes. Which was ri- absolutely ridiculous. Here, here. That's good. I, they, I mean, they didn't call them scum FC, which I would have done. But. Yeah. They just, I think, uh, they called them Milton Keynes on the program, if I'm not mistaken. And then they called them MK on the scoreboard. And that's what the issue was. Yeah. Like, there's a club who said, oh, we know we could face issues for this, but we're going to do yeah, it anyway. Yeah, we don't care. Yeah. And kudos they're, to, they're kudos above, to Wimbledon. They're above them in the standings, too, at this point. Yeah. Right? It, yeah. it looks like MK's definitely going down. Which is great. It's it's Wimbledon safe just now, but there's four games left. They've still got to play the league leaders. Might actually be just be three games left now. Um, I got up at seven to watch the game on Saturday. Most of this season, when I've got up to watch the games, they haven't won. I think I've seen them win once. So maybe I should just stay in bed for the rest of the season. You're not that superstitious, are you, Michael? I'm starting to for this. I want them to stay up and MK to go down. It'd be fantastic. Oh, the, Plus, I've got a half-man, half-biscuit song for when they do. The supporters would celebrate almost like they won a cup or the league or something. Yeah. Pitch pitch invasion. That success. So a couple of news uh, articles about the t- uh, upcoming 2018 World Cup. Uh, FIFA charges the host Russia over racist slurs against uh, black French players. but But on a positive note... Russian prosecutors have revealed that they have disrupted a plot to by a right-wing football supporters group called Toys. I looked it up. I couldn't find what it stood for, 
Toys, so I don't know exactly. T-O-Y-S? Yeah, T-O-Y-S. It stood for something, but I don't know what. Uh, but they, uh, it's a right-wing leading uh, kind of supporters group. Uh, there was a city uh, somewhere, I can't remember what it was, but they were going to disrupt the games there. I don't know how. They didn't go into too much detail either. But it's interesting that um, they try to spin it a little bit with the, with the charges coming at them. Your kids are going to look at your browser history and think they're in for lots of presents. Yeah, it seems like it. <laughs> Oh, I, this most yeah, yeah, that's a good point. I was going to say something else, but you might. I, to, I was going to. You, you, you would have had to cut it out. Yeah. <laughs> um, strange incident with VAR in the Bundesliga. It was a game between Mainz uh, 05 and Freiburg. A penalty award was awarded um, just before halftime. Now the problem was when the when the penalty was officially awarded, oh, both yes. clubs were in the dressing room. Yeah, and <laughs> it, they had to bring all the players back in order to do take care of the penalty. Yeah, the first problem is this game was on a Monday, and in Germany, there, as we talked about in the past, there's mm. huge frustration over the fact that there's yeah, these five Monday games in the season on on Monday, and and so the fans already they had a protest for for that, and then which delayed the game like ten minutes or whatever, and uh, and then this happened, and that was in the second half, and that this delayed it was a crazy, a crazy, crazy night, and uh, this led to a technicality coming out about VAR that you can do that at halftime, but at full time you can't bring it back. So, oh really? Yeah. So if if the same thing happened at at the end of the game, there wouldn't have been a penalty. So is it the wow. final whistle that stops it? Or yeah. The, the fi- after the final whistle, you can't do any var. Oh. And halftime, you can. So that was the. That you was the you would think it would be uh, it would yeah. be more important at the full time if yeah. something happened like that that you had to review. But oh well, we'll see what happens at the World Cup. Uh, Red Bulls two signed a PDL uh, uh, into the PDL. Uh, there, Lucas Stoffer, por- former draft pick. Yes. Um, wing back. Very, very pleased that, that Lucas has found a club. I'm surprised they didn't sign him and put him in Fresno at all. That's who, yeah. who knows if they did. Do we know if they they tried that or not? Yeah, they didn't. Okay, so they just didn't rate him enough. Yeah. Obviously, they like Justin Fittis more, and maybe Brett Levis more too. Yeah, I'm actually. We've got our extra podcast coming out this week, and it's going to be a PDL special. And I've got a big chat with Lucas in it about playing in the PDL. So. Actually, I thought it was terrible. He's left now. It was wasn't going to be relevant. I can tie it in. Was it like one of your favorite interviews? Definitely one of my favorites. Yeah. Okay. A couple of stadium things. Um, one team that's currently in MLS. One team that's hope hopefully wants to be in MLS. First of all, the one that's in New York City FC plan uh, have a plan for a stadium in the Harlem River Yards. They're expecting twenty six thousand capacity by twenty twenty two. Now, because it's in Harlem, they're going to have to deal with the boppers. Other than that, if you've seen the Warriors movie, you'll know what oh, I'm talking yes. about. Um, so it's not in Harlem. It's not in Harlem. It's, 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 I'm just because yeah, it's yeah. Harlem. I, I was wondering if the supporters group would call themselves the Harlem Heat. No, that'd be interesting. It's not again. It's in Manhattan. Have you seen the pictures? No. Oh, okay. It's, they're nice pictures. Yeah. MLS expansion hopeful Cincinnati have received city council approval for their stadium. Just five four margin. There's still some conditions they've like promised to improve the community around them and stuff like that. I don't know what that entails, but um, it, 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 they're, they got what they're looking for uh, yes. by the skin of the teeth. So one of the things that came out of this is one of the counselors, I think, referred to him out of his uh, pub, like uh, orally or in writing or whatever, that they're, they're going to be called foosball clubs yes. Cincinnati. Because of their huge German population, which mm. obviously has been met with great derision and great uh, concern by many across uh, the North American landscape. Yeah. Some saying it's even worse than Royal Salt Lake. Sorry, Real Salt Lake. Is it worse than 1904 FC? Yeah, San Diego. 
Yeah. Is it worse? Well, I, forget, <laughs> I, forget what, I, I forget what the ni- I was trying. What is it the 1904? S- and this is why we're over. What, what is the 1904? It stands for the letters in the yeah. alphabet. So oh yeah, no, S&D. that's that to me. That's worse. Yeah, to me that's worse. But uh, to me, if you just if you if that's what it's and but you just everyone's gonna call it FC Cincinnati anyway. Yeah. So to me, it's not as bad as some of the other ones. But I understand why people are annoyed that it seems that they're focusing on one ethnic group or whatever. Then yeah. Okay, so going on uh, now to the World Cup in 2026, the vote, the voting that's going to come up. Um, South America has come to the rescue of the United bid. Uh, they are pledging. Have they? Uh, they, they're, it's they're, only ten votes. I know, but this, that's, every vote counts. Uh, ten yeah, votes. It's going to be tight. It's ten votes that they've uh, all agreed to to support them in this next voting. But uh, but on the other side, uh, we talked about France last week. South Africa. Uh, has backed um, Morocco for their hosting, um, which is funny because they, of course, Morocco went against them in 2010. Yeah, so but there, but there is there, the, in the article it suggested a reasoning why apparently there South Af- Africa is being investigated by the U- U.S. Department of Justice for a 10 million dollar pay- payment. To, to FIFA voters in North America, well, specifically to Jack Warner. Yeah, have you watched? Have yeah, but they, but they never, they never announced the people that were being. This is apparently two people, unnamed people, that are being investigated. Well, the crazy thing is that that Morocco supposedly paid one million to to, to Jack Warner as well. If you have Nothing you ever watched Jack Warner, have you ever watched uh, Planet Football on Netflix? You should go watch, I watch it, Planet it, of the Apes. It's in French, but yeah. with subtitles. It's a really, really good documentary. What, what, what I recommend, I'm surprised you haven't seen it, Joe. What I recommend is watching the back and forth between Jack Warner and John Oliver. Yes. That oh, was wow. hilarious. Yeah, that is that is that hilarious. Was I think the payments were to Jack Warner's cats who owned an apartment. No, yeah. no, no that's Chuck Glazer. Okay. <laughs> Never confuse Chuck Glazer and Jack Warner. Jack Warner, Jack Warner is one who uh, went to the emergency room to get out of being arrested and then was seen at a rally later dancing. Possibly. Yeah, that, well, that, that sounds, was, that that sounds more like Jack Warner. The mittens are off. <laughs> the John Oliver thing was right. The mittens are off. Yeah, or, yeah. Some of that. And as I always say, he brought three Trinidad players to East Fife. There's nothing wrong with Jack <laughs> Warner. Um, another issue that's come up with Morocco. Um, yeah, uh, this and, is more concerning. And, and this is a people. Now, this is not external. This is internal. Uh, people uh, criticizing Morocco. Um, they have anti-LGBTQ laws that were omitted from their own self-assessment uh, risk program because it's against the law to be that in there. And also uh, animal rights. Um, uh, there's a stray dog policy where they don't uh, humanely get rid of stray dogs. They actually, there's a video apparently where um, they get the dogs together and just shoot them. Um, so uh, that that's uh, a couple things that are brought up. And they're saying that, especially the first one, because they didn't put that in the, in the risk assessment, that that's going to be a strike against them somewhere for the people that are... Uh, yeah, if you have a certain number of... Strikes against you or something? You're out. Yeah. You have to get two out of five. A score. Yeah. Yeah. So that'd be interesting to see how that plays Mm -hmm. out. Um, Last uh, but not least, uh, in Canada for the CPL, Clark Stadium came into play in Edmonton. It seems like uh, there is discussion about Clark Stadium. We talked about last week about expanding and everything. Uh, There was some uh, backlash from the CFL team, the Eskimos, uh, where they want because they they have a lease on it until 2021. They pay I think a million dollars a year for as it a practice facility when uh, their own stadium is not available due to concerts or other stuff. Um, so it's it, they're kind of I think this is more of a negotiation ploy so they don't lose access to it while this all stuff is going. I on. I think also too part of it is the the minor football in Edmonton 
is obviously against us because that's the I don't know if it's the only place, but it's one of the primary places for them yeah. to use. And so I think Edmonton, the well, Eskimos were kind of trying to be supportive of that because they do, actually the Eskimos do have a, a positive relationship with FC Edmonton. Yeah, for sure. So uh, hopefully that can all get sorted out. What I understood the the council meeting last week was fairly positive in terms of FC Edmonton. The, and the, but we ran into softball here in New West, so uh, at <laughs> no, least they, at least they're at least uh, FC Edmonton's running into some decent sport. Yeah, no, you, you ran into po- like straight up politics. no offense to yeah. softball politics players. in New West is what what ultimately stopped. Yeah, that. Know and, that. and and the Whitecaps way of operating in terms of money. Yeah, would we still have had a USL team if we ended up in New West? I, uh, I think and that's for another show so. before we go <laughs> off for another two hours. But that is it for this week's show. Just before we go, just let everyone know where they can find you online. You can find me on Twitter at WhitecapsBeat. It's at Zachary AM, and I'm a part of the Movement Curva Collective. And you can find me at Joe DC Van and on the preview show. And watch out for the preview show coming out on Wednesday evening or Thursday morning. Check your podcast feeds for that. I'm Michael McCall. You can follow me on AFTN Canada on Twitter. AFTN.ca is our website. And AFTN Soccer is our Instagram account. You can also follow us on Facebook as well. And if you've liked the show or if you enjoy the show, leave a nice little review or rating on iTunes for us. But until next week, which will hopefully be happier. Anyway, until next time, thanks for listening. Take care and mon the caps. Go into your first match is an experience you never forget. The atmosphere of what's going on around the pitch looks beautiful and you always look and go, wow, I'd love to play here one day. If you get the bug, it's going to stay with you for life. E.F.